you hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. As someone who was alive during the peak of the HIV AIDS crisis that took the lives of so many of our brothers and sisters, especially gay men, it's almost surreal to watch the medical advancements in fighting HIV and AIDS today. The advancement science is making with fighting HIV and AIDS has been amazing and fast. So fast, in fact, it's hard to keep up. One such advancement is with PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, and its 90% effectiveness with preventing the spread of HIV. Last summer, we participated in the Proud to be PrEP campaign to help spread awareness of the existence and effectiveness of PrEP. Today, we continue spreading that awareness by hosting Megan Cannon, the Biomedical Intervention Coordinator for the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment. Megan joins us to answer all of our questions about PrEP and how it's helping sexually active people, gay, straight, and otherwise. Get ready to have all of your questions about PrEP answered. This episode of Queer Money is being brought to you by the Budget Buster Bundle. Budget like a badass with the Budget Buster Bundle that you can get at the Debt Free Guys shop at debtfreeguys.com forward slash shop. Now, on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. So welcome, Megan, to Queer Money. We appreciate having you today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So going under the assumption that um, our audience doesn't know what PrEP is, would you mind uh, giving us some clarification on what PrEP is, please? Sure. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. It's a relatively new HIV prevention strategy that involves taking an anti-HIV medication to prevent someone who's HIV negative from getting HIV. And right now, the only medication that's approved by the FDA for this purpose is Truvada, and it's taken once a day to prevent HIV. Got you. And there are some other ones coming on the market soon, aren't there, or being considered? Yeah, there's. Um, it's really exciting. There's a lot of different other, as you mentioned, other medications that are currently being studied. So Discovy is another medication that's currently being looked at. They're still probably a couple years away before we know how effective it is in preventing HIV. And then there's other studies that are going on that are using, instead of pills, because um, we know that not everyone likes taking a daily pill, looking at rings, and then also a long-term injectable shot, too. Gotcha. Gotcha. So who should be taking PrEP? Who's the, who's the candidate that PrEP is essentially created for? So CDC recommends people who are at high risk of getting HIV should consider taking PrEP. And knowing who is highly impacted by HIV in both Colorado and across the country, CDC recommends PrEP for men who have sex with men or gay and bisexual men, anyone with a partner who is living with HIV, so folks who are in thero-discordant or mixed HIV status relationships, transgender individuals, and people who inject drugs. And I'll put in my personal caveat, I feel like anyone who wants to take PrEP should be able to take it. So, you know, CDC has their recommendations, but I'm a true believer that if you feel like you need to take it and it would help you have peace of mind with not getting HIV, then you should consider it. Yeah, I'm kind of glad you made that little bit of a caveat here. I know in the past, um, HIV has oftentimes been labeled the gay disease. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's, I think that's because it, 
predominantly affected gay men in the early stages uh, when the disease was started, really starting to explode when it was being transmitted. But more recently, probably over the last several decades, we've noticed that it's actually gotten the communities that it has an impact on has expanded. It's no longer just the gay disease. And actually, I think that that kind of label has been removed. But it's good to know that as a advisor or practitioner, you're suggesting that um, that there's the possibility that a lot of other individuals who may be exposed to or at risk of being exposed to HIV should be considering it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So how effective is PrEP? What should I know going into before I consider taking it? Yeah. So from a number standpoint, PrEP is very effective. And this is going to the medication that's approved by the FDA. So this is Truvada. And from what we know from the studies is that if someone takes Truvada for PrEP consistently every single day as prescribed, you know, since it's a daily pill, it can reduce your risk of getting infected with HIV by more than 90%. And there are some studies that show even up to 99%. So, you know, from an effectiveness standpoint, it's highly effective in preventing HIV infection. Got you. So how quickly does PrEP start working? If I got, if I need to take it every day, my assumption is I need to have sort of build up a, maybe tolerance isn't the, isn't the right word, but build up some sort of immunity from HIV with the drug before I start engaging actively in sex. Yeah. So I think it depends on kind of the type of sex that you're having or kind of what is putting you potentially at risk for HIV to answer that question. So it's, it's a little bit nuanced. So if, so say example for me, If my risk for HIV is because I'm having anal sex, then I would need to take at least Truvada for PrEP for at least a week before I had enough drug in my body to protect myself from getting infected with HIV. And this goes for both men and women because we know both men and women have anal sex. Um, And then, (laughs) I know, crazy, right? (laughs) And then if someone's risk, so again, I'll use myself as as an example. If my risk for HIV is vaginal sex, then I'll need to take it a little bit longer. And it'll take about three weeks for me to get enough drug in my system to protect me. And then since I mentioned before that people who inject drugs also are at risk for HIV, it takes about 20 days. So again, about three weeks for enough drug to get into your bloodstream to provide that protection from HIV, you know, with taking PrEP. Gotcha. Hopefully that makes sense. Absolutely, it does. So this PrEP isn't as great of a drug as it is. It's not something that you can take immediately or take and then immediately start having sex. You need to sort of prepare for this in advance, talk with your doctor, and then incorporate it into your lifestyle before you start engaging in sex with the intention of of not uh, contracting HIV. Yeah, I mean, I think, and one of the things that I like to mention too about PrEP is that it's something that you definitely plan for in advance. So like I couldn't go to my provider. So say, you know, today is Tuesday and I have a really hot date on Wednesday, tomorrow. I wouldn't be able to go to my provider, get a prescription, take a pill and be ready to go for my hot date on Wednesday. I would need to take it, you know, depending on the sex or the risk, but I, you know, whatever's Mm -hmm. putting me at risk, there needs to be some time. Got you. Well, so that, that's a good question then, I think. So are all doctors familiar with PrEP or is it going to take some of us educating our doctors on what PrEP is? I wish the answer was that all doctors were familiar with PrEP. You know, one of the things that I will mention is that anyone who can write a prescription, so this includes medical doctors, nurse practitioners, and physician's assistants, anyone who has the prescription authority to write 
you know, those scripts for you, is able to do it. So you don't have to go necessarily to a specialty doctor, infectious disease, or, you know, whatever. You should be able to go to any provider who's able to write those prescriptions and ask for it, and they should be able to give it to you, assuming all your, you know, tests and screening goes well. We know that that is not the case. So along with the answer to your question is that it's a little bit of both. With the campaign that we're working on, Proud to be Prepped, we do have a provider arm component at the state health department where we have a team of, we call them public health detailers, who are going out to find those prep-friendly providers, is what I like to call them, and vetting them and putting them on a list. So if you don't have a prep-friendly provider or you're not sure that they would be, they would say yes to you if you were to ask for that prescription. We have a handy list on our website, proudtobeprepped.com, where you would be able to find one closest to you and then go to them. That being said, if you do want to go to, if you do go to a provider or a doctor and you want them to prescribe it to you, I think it is very helpful to have that information and to come armed because, you know, we always like to assume that our doctors know what's best for us. And sometimes we hear back from community that their doctors tell them no, even when they come to them. And so I always find that it's handy to have those materials with you or even, you know, you can bring the Proud to be Prepped website with you, CDC materials to be like, no, this is actually like a thing. There are a lot of <laughs> medical institutions like CDC, the WHO, like there's all these institutions that have said that this is something that that is helpful in preventing HIV to help convince them. And I will also put in a plug that if you do go to a provider and they tell you no or they're not prep friendly, whatever word that you want to describe, please let us know because we have that team and we can send them out to provide, you know, support, technical assistance, help them kind of move along in their prep journey so that you as a client or, you know, as an individual who's looking for the service gets what you need. Gotcha. John and I recently spoke to a woman who works at the LGBT Center in LA, and she's actually a health practitioner there. So it seems to me that there's more organizations like that, the various LGBT centers, organizations that support the LGBT community, that are also getting involved with understanding the sexual practices and the needs of the community. So it sounds like there's a number of different resources. If you're scared to go talk to your doctor about this because of not having that kind of relationship or just maybe not feeling comfortable talking to your doctor about your sexual practices, there's probably some other resources out there that you can seek out where they are comfortable and knowledgeable and they can provide you this kind of information. The Proud to be Prepped campaign that we've been talking about or are talking about is one that's designed specifically for Colorado, right? Correct. Yeah. But a lot of the information that's on there is relevant to like other folks who may be checking it out across the country. So I think the Colorado-specific pieces are pretty clear on the website, but it's a helpful resource for people to learn about PrEP in general and how to access it. And then if someone is looking at the website who isn't from Colorado, we're still able to connect them to resources because, you know, we're all part of the same team. We're trying to, to make sure that people who are HIV negative stay HIV negative. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up, that the information that's on the website, although probably the list of practitioners there are unique to Colorado, but the information is not unique. It's worldwide. So that information is something you can go and check out and learn about before mm -hmm. you decide to take any further steps. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, even going to the provider, so say, you know, that you're interested in talking to your provider 
about preps too. You know, I think there's some questions that we always prompt people to consider, you know, if they want to go to the provider, if they want to go to one that we have on our list that we vetted to be prep friendly. It's like, you know, asking questions like, do I feel comfortable talking with them about my sexual health? Like, do they know, am I out to them? Are they knowledgeable about PrEP or HIV just in general? Because, you know, some providers aren't comfortable. They hear HIV and they get really scared because of the stigma around it. And then even with STIs, I'll put in a plug. We always say, like, if you get tested for STIs, it's get tested for STIs in every hole that you use. So there are some providers that test for STIs just through P-tests and not necessarily doing swabs in either like your foot or your butt or like, you know, other places where you might be exposing yourself to HIV or or STIs in general. So just kind of asking questions, you know, like, is my doctor able to provide me this service to the best of their ability Mm -hmm. to get me what I need? Gotcha. So before we go on to a list of uh, direct scenarios and questions that we received from our Queer Money Facebook group, I want to cover the, the topic of insurance. Does insurance cover PrEP? Yes. Um, most private health insurance plans pay for PrEP, and Medicaid also covers PrEP. I'll put in a plug for Colorado's Medicaid. Their, their coverage of PrEP is very, 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 very generous. So people who are on the Medicaid program should not discount themselves. Medicare also covers it. TRICARE covers it. And in terms of the cost, because, you know, even though insurance plans do cover this prevention strategy or method, if you will, you know, PrEP is more than just taking a pill. It involves, you know, getting your monthly medication. It involves going to your doctor every three months for regular checkups. It involves a series of labs. One, obviously, HIV to make sure that you're still HIV negative, STIs, and then checking, you know, your liver and kidney function. So, with all of those costs involved, when we navigate someone through figuring out their access to PrEP with health insurance, or even if they don't have health insurance, we always cover those costs and then also assist people with figuring out if they qualify for different financial assistance programs that are available. So, you know, even if someone doesn't have insurance, there are multiple options to pay for PrEP. So it's a very long-winded answer, sorry. Um, But yeah, PrEP is very, very, I would say it's more accessible than people give it credit for. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. You, the what you bring up here is that there's a lot of information out there now about prep, and there's a lot of access, but it really is unique to each individual, right? Mm-hmm. The fact is that so many individuals in our community rely on the Affordable Care Act, which has in some cases been shown to not be affordable for some people in our community. Doesn't mean that they don't necessarily have access to it. So some of you out there may be thinking, well. I have a $10,000 deductible and I still have to pay for my prescriptions. I can't afford it. That's not necessarily the right way to think, is it? It's let's check and let's see what is available, what opportunities there are for other assistance that could make it available to you. Yeah. And I'll put in a couple of plugs for the different assistance programs because, you know, a lot of what we hear from community and people who are thinking about PrEP is they just assume that it's really expensive. So they just, you know, take themselves out of the process and don't even consider or go through and explore getting a prescription or asking their provider about it. So I'll mention, you know, Truvada is made by Gilead, the pharmaceutical company, and they have a very generous program to help pay for the medication. 
whether you have insurance and even if you don't have insurance. So okay. for folks who do have insurance, they're able to pay for your co-pays and deductibles. So, you know, the scenario that you just described, they're able to pay for, they just upped it recently. So it's like up to seven seven thousand dollars to pay for costs, which you know, like if you are on a plan which has a really high deductible, can help increase your access and make it more affordable. For folks who don't have insurance, you have to financially qualify. So, you know, they look at kind of your income and there's an application that's involved, which, you know, there are prep navigators at a number of different agencies throughout Colorado and the Denver metro area who are able to walk you through it because I understand applications can get a little tricky. And if you're not sure or even aware that these assistance programs can exist, there's a lot of support that's out there. I think it's just people just don't know that they're there. And another plug that I'll put in is Colorado is really resourceful in the fact that it has a dedicated PrEP drug assistance program called PHIP, which stands for the Public Health Intervention Program. So if you make less than $60,700 per year, And regardless of whether you have insurance or you're underinsured or you don't have insurance, there's this program that exists to help pay for both the medication, um, which we utilize, you know, the Gilead assistance programs to help pay for the medication too. But then PHIP is able to help pay for the wraparound pieces. So what I was talking about before, how PrEP involves getting labs and going to your provider visits, PHIP is able to also pay for those costs too, which... I like to mention because not every state has this type of program available. So we always like to mention PHEP because I think it's not enough people know about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's great information to know. And I think it underscores David's comment from earlier, regardless of what state you reside in and regardless mm-hmm. of your socioeconomic status, your income, all that stuff, um, you know, do your due diligence and think creatively and check with your provider, contact your insurance company. If you need to go to a local LGBT center, ask for uh, help and resources. If not, go to proudtobeprep.com and really do your, your research because it sounds like there are a number of creative ways to help reduce the cost of PrEP. And we obviously know you're not going to stop having sex. (laughs) So do your due diligence and find out what kind of protection you can get so you can have safer sex and avoid getting HIV. Yeah. And I'll mention too, sorry, I'm a wealth of resources today. So (laughs) I'll also mention because we're currently in the open enrollment period, because you had mentioned kind of ACA before. So currently, you know, for folks in Colorado, you have until January 15th to enroll on a marketplace plan, which for Colorado is Connect for Health. You have until January 15th to enroll for 2019 coverage. For anyone else who's outside of Colorado, check within your state because the deadline nationally could end December 15th. But for us, it goes all the way till January 15th. And I'll mention too, you know, in terms of doing your homework, there's a really awesome online tool called prepcost.org that an organization called NASDAQ created where you're able to go on there and they have every single marketplace health insurance plan state by state. So, you know, regardless of whether you live in Colorado, if you live in Nevada or like wherever you reside and are trying to get health insurance, they've gone through and they've done the math and calculations to tell you if you were to choose this plan. And in terms of your prep services, how much would it cost you in a year? So when you're trying to figure out, you know, like my premiums and then kind of what the medications would cost, my lab visits, the provider visits, it does all that math for you to make sure that you're making an informed decision. Because, you know, I will say from an ACA standpoint, 
We tend not to encourage people to sign up for bronze level plans just because they have really, really high deductibles. And so, you know, you're able to see that math on how much it would cost to you individually to go on certain plans, both bronze, silver, and gold level. So I highly recommend checking out prepcost.org. It has a ton of information on there to help people make decisions. That's a great resource. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that it's important there because if you're relatively healthy, Mm-hmm. then the cost of having PrEP could be one of your largest medical costs for the year. So you want to weigh that as to whether or not or what kind of plan you can have or or have already and can want to continue and how much it would impact your current costs versus what your future costs would be. Yeah, and I would say too that the PrepCost.org resource is only specific to helping calculate PrEP services. So, you know, if you have other needs that you know that you are going to use on a regular basis, like say if you have diabetes or you, you know, you're using other medications for other health issues, it doesn't take those calculations into account. So, every person has individual needs and this resource only kind of addresses the PrEP side of it. Gotcha. Great caveat there. Thank you. So we're going to ask some of the questions that were asked in our Queer Money Facebook group, and some of these might seem uh, redundant to what you've already answered or might seem obvious to our listeners already, but we want to leave no stone unturned, so we want yeah. to make sure we cover that. So as a gay man especially, I've been indoctrinated with the need to use condoms whenever I have sex. Does PrEP negate that need? I think PrEP will only protect you against HIV. So if your priority or concern when having sex is around HIV, then PrEP will protect you against that. PrEP does not protect you against other sexually transmitted infections like chlamydia, syphilis is really is on the rise and a huge concern, you know, something that we're watching very closely. And then also gonorrhea. PrEP does not protect you against that and condoms too. So I would say every person is an adult and makes their decisions um, based on what they want to do. As long as you're making informed decisions and you know kind of the risk and benefits and pros and cons and you're meeting your health needs, I'm not here to be the content police to say what you should or shouldn't do. I'm just here to make sure that you are informed about kind of, you know, you decide what you want to do as long as you know what's involved. Great. Thank you. So if two sexually active gay men are in a monogamous relationship, should they still use PrEP? Good question. So I would say, what's the HIV status of the sexually active gay men? Because I think that would determine if they need to take PrEP or not. Because if they're in a discordant relationship where one person's living with HIV and the other person's HIV negative, that's something where I would say, yeah, sure, for the HIV negative person, it would be great to have a conversation to see if this would fit in with their life. If both men are living with HIV, then obviously they don't need to take PrEP because PrEP is only used for by people who are HIV negative. And then if there are two sexually active gay men who are both HIV negative in a monogamous relationship, I would say, is it monogamous? Are they seeing outside <laughs> people? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of different, you're making me put on my HIV counselor hat on. I would say there are different caveats. And again, depending on how someone would answer or not answer that question, the thing that I always like to say is that PrEP is a personal choice. So there's never really like any should you do this or should you do that. I think it's, you know, based on every person and kind of what they want in terms of their sexual health goals or sexual health needs. 
prep may fit in, prep may not fit in, and that's something that they would have to decide for themselves. I will also say, you know, this is where prep navigators or even providers are really helpful because you can have those conversations with them to help come up with a decision. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's up to each person. Got you. And that's a very important clarification there. So I was interpreting that question to mean two HIV negative men. Okay. <laughs> um, but because the follow-up question, you already stole it, <laughs> was oh, no. if one of them is okay. HIV negative and one of them is HIV positive, should that couple use PrEP? And then you answered that question, the HIV negative individual should use PrEP if they're with an HIV positive person. So it sounds like if you're in a monogamous relationship and you're both HIV negative, not that you should you should take PrEP. It's not that you shouldn't take PrEP. It depends upon how exactly monogamous your relationship is and how much risk you're willing to take on based on the information that you have today. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So we talked about a relationship where one of them individuals is HIV negative. What if the other individual is undetectable? Great question. So if someone is undetectable, that means that they are a person who's living with HIV and thanks to the science of medicine, they are in HIV care and taking their medications and have the virus under control. So they're living a healthy life, which is exactly what we want them to be. And that's kudos to them for being undetectable. In that scenario where if I'm in a relationship with someone who's undetectable and I'm an HIV negative person and I'm taking PrEP, that's like the unicorn of all relationships because <laughs> you are like triple protected. Add a condom and you're like quadruple protected <laughs> and your chances of getting HIV are pretty much zero. So yeah, so I don't know if that answers your question. But does, does that mean that even though someone is undetectable, does that mean that HIV can still be transmitted? No. So thank you for the clarification question. Sure. So no, you know, there's a lot of exciting research that's recently come out that if someone who is undetectable. So this is a person who's living with HIV, who's in HIV care and has their viral load to a low enough level where it's undetectable and they're living healthy with the virus. Their chances of passing the virus on to someone who's HIV negative is zero. Okay. So there's a really awesome campaign that you might have heard about, U equals U, which means undetectable equals uninfectious. And so that's kind of the basis, the science behind that slogan and campaign which is really exciting because, you know, for a long time, for folks who are in mixed HIV status or shared discordant relationships, the burden has always been on the person who's living with HIV to be like, oh, I need to protect myself to prevent it from passing on. But one of the things that's the beauty about PrEP is that it also gives the onus on the person who's HIV negative on kind of taking ownership on making sure that both partners are protected and safe and also, you know, having hopefully a very good, healthy, happy sex life. But yeah, the research and the science has gone, um, is really, really exciting, both for people living with HIV and people who are HIV negative. It's great. So that, that's great information to know. But let me clarify, if someone is HIV positive, but currently undetectable, and apparently based on the U, U equals U campaign, that means they can't transmit it. Is there any scenario where they could become detectable despite them following all the prescriptions and taking their drugs and, and following all their doctor's orders? For example, if I contract un unrelated, I contract the pneumonia. Um, mm -hmm. Can that maybe weaken my system and potentially have adverse effects on my HIV positive status? That is a great question. So yeah, if someone's living with HIV and they have an undetectable status, 
it's not something that like once you have it, you have it forever. So I think your question is a really good one because things happen in your life. Like, you know, your immune system is great, but sometimes it's not great. Like, you know, everyone gets the occasional cold or, you know, like STIs or like other things that might bring your immune system down. Things that could bring your immune system down, like pneumonia or the cold or the flu could impact a person living with HIV to bring their undetectable viral load back to detectable, which in that case, you know, in the scenario that we've kind of been going back and forth on, if I'm the HIV negative partner and my partner has like a cold, so their virus goes to detectable levels, if I'm on PrEP, I still have that layer of protection because I'm taking PrEP. I'm not like depending on one strategy, if you will. I'm like making sure that I'm doing my part in my relationship with keeping myself protected. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. All right. And you guys keep taking all my questions in advance of my oh, no. order here. David <laughs> already okay. asked the, one of my questions. So we'll go on to the next one. <laughs> what, what happens if you are taking prep for a while and mm-hmm. you then suddenly, for whatever reason, you stop using it? Say you're on vacation and you don't have access to it like you normally do. What happens when you stop using prep as consistently as prescribed by uh, the doctor? So, you know, I always like to describe the way that PrEP works in your body. So, you know, we had talked about how long does it take to build up enough drug level in your body to protect yourself. Think of it as like building a wall. So it's like every time you take a pill, you're like building this wall of protection around you. And so if you were to stop taking the medication, you're no longer building the wall. So when you stop taking the medication or if you're stopped taking PrEP because, you know, you were on vacation and you forgot, your wall isn't going to be as strong as it were if you were taking it every single day, if that makes sense. So, you know, the caveat, there's always caveats. There's caveats too if you just decide to stop taking it. One, it could be that you decide that PrEP doesn't work for you. It's not like a good fit anymore and you don't feel like you need it, which is okay. You don't have to take PrEP forever. So in that scenario, I would say, you know, you would obviously hopefully talk with your provider before you completely stop taking it because the protocol is that if you decide that you don't need it anymore, you would continue taking it for at least like 28 days after your last potential HIV exposure just to kind of cover all of your bases. Now, in the scenario that you described of where you were on vacation and you, you know, left the bottle at home, you're international and you like, don't have access to, like, you know, a special mail order system to, like, call your doctor. There's no Walgreens or CVS close by. I think one of the things that research has shown us is that if you have at least four days of dose in your system, you're going to be good. You know, so, like, in a week period, as long as you have a minimum of four days, then you're fine. But if you miss more than three days, then that's where the protection level isn't going to be as high. And that's where I would say, you know, whatever you were planning on doing on that vacation, you know, say you're on a cruise or whatever, maybe add a condom to that conversation if you weren't planning on doing that before, just so that you have those extra layers of protection, Mm -hmm. um, just so that you're still, you know, preventing as hard to the best of your ability, preventing from getting infected with HIV, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It does. So does that mean, I know that when I see commercials for or read advertisements for PrEP that talks about the side effects, does that mean that if I stop taking for a day or a couple of days, I'm going to re-experience some of those side effects? That is a great question. I would say, you know, in terms of the side effects, a lot of the side effects happen when you first start taking the medication. So if you were to start and stop, which I wouldn't encourage because, you know, based on what's recommended and from what we know, 
it's prescribed as once daily. So we want to make sure that everyone's taking it daily as they should. I know that I'm not the greatest pill taker. So sometimes you miss a day or two. It's not the end of the world. As long as you like, you know, remember the next day, you still have enough drug in your system to protect against yourself. From the side effects standpoint, I think, you know, side effects, we know that the medication is pretty tolerable and is very safe to take for folks who do experience side effects, which isn't that many, maybe like one in 10 will experience like nausea, headaches, weight loss, which may be a positive side effect. I don't know. It depends on kind of what you're... Now it's a weight loss pill? I'm on it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever, you know, I don't know. Sometimes people can tolerate some side effects better than others. Most of the side effects go away after like four to six weeks. I think, you know, if you were to start and stop, I think it, it would just depend on how your body handles it. And that's like on an individual basis. Since we are talking about side effects, I will mention that there are more rare side effects that do happen. So, you know, like one in a hundred may experience increased kidney function. So that's why when you go to the doctor's office or when you go to see your provider for your quarterly visits, they'll draw those labs just to check how your kidneys are functioning because the medication is processed by your kidneys. So we don't want to make it work too much harder than it needs to. And then one in 200 may experience decreased bone mineral density, which your doctor probably will not check for because that's a really expensive test. But if you have concerns for like osteoporosis or you are very prone to like fractures or something like that, your doctor will probably tell you to add vitamin D to your regimen and you should be good. Gotcha. Good to know. Mm -hmm. So you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier. And one of our last questions here is, if I'm not on PrEP and I think I've been exposed to HIV, does PrEP act as a plan B? That is a great question. So PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. So if you were to like tease out kind of the definition of what that really long, sometimes complicated word means, it's pre stands for before. So you wouldn't necessarily take PrEP for a, an after, like a plan B situation because that's after the fact. But there is a strategy called PEP called post-exposure prophylaxis that helps out in, I like to call those HIV emergencies. And so if you're kind of in that situation where you're just like, I feel like I've been exposed or you know for sure that you've been exposed to HIV, we recommend that you go to your closest emergency room, urgent care center, or, you know, if it happens to be during business hours of your provider, you should be able to go to your provider and ask for that and they should be able to prescribe you those medications. So no, PrEP would not be able to be used in a plan B situation. That's what we call PEP, which is post-exposure prophylaxis. Okay. So this is my last question, I promise. So if I'm on PrEP, I've been taking it consistently and religiously for beyond the 20 days or whatever buffer there, there might be based on my situation. And I have sex with someone and I find out after the fact that they're HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Should I then also consider taking PEP in addition to the PrEP I've been taking? No. So you wouldn't take PrEP and PEP because if you're taking PrEP as you should, which is once a day on a consistent basis, then you should be protected. You have enough drug in your system to protect you against HIV. A person who would need PEP would be someone who's not on PrEP. So there are fancy terms for describing how and when someone would take medication to prevent HIV. And PrEP is when it's 
planned and it's before a potential HIV exposure and PEP is post-exposure prophylaxis, so it would be after the fact. And I like to describe those, you know, because it's like in plan B with birth control, that's in an emergency where you're just like, I really don't want to get pregnant. PEP would be like in an emergency where you're like, I really don't want to get HIV. And so hopefully that helps to kind of explain Mm -hmm. both of those strategies better. Right. So you can actually, you don't need to do both. I would not recommend doing both because that would be taking a lot of medications that would, we are talking about like not trying to push your kidneys Mm -hmm. um, and making them angry with you. That would definitely make your kidneys and probably liver very angry with you. Okay. So that could have other side effects that you don't want to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's good to know. Any Mm -hmm. last thoughts that you have from from your end? Anything we, we might not have covered that you think is important for our listeners to be aware of? I think, you know, if you haven't checked the Prop to Be Props campaign, I would definitely make sure to check it out. And, you know, if you want to talk to someone in person, because, you know, it's always sometimes better to talk to a human voice on the phone versus reading something off of a website, I would highly encourage you to give us a call um, and we'd be happy to answer any questions that you have about PrEP or navigation or finding a provider, health insurance, all that fun stuff. And that number is 844-367-7075. And I would say, you know, anyone who's having sex and thinks that they might be at risk for HIV and you haven't thought about PrEP, it's something to maybe consider. And not saying that you have to choose it, but know that it's on your radar and that it's an option for you. And then if you feel like that you want to have it, there are ways to get it. And we are here as a resource to help you get there. That's great. Thank you. And I'll add that there's a lot of great resources, advertisements and whatnot out there about PrEP, but there's also a Proud to be Prepped campaign going on. So you might have seen some pictures about it on your Instagram feed or on Twitter or on Facebook. And to the extent that you're comfortable doing so, uh, that you can like, comment and share on those posts to help spread the message, because it can only help our community and the general population more. Um, And hopefully we can, over time, eradicate this disease. So thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, David and John. Thank you. Thank you, Megan, for patiently answering all of our questions, and thank you to all the people from influencers to scientists who are committed to fighting the spread of HIV and AIDS and finding a cure, which seems like might be just around the corner. For more information about PrEP, please visit ProudToBePrep.com. Finally, this episode of Queer Money was brought to you by the Budget Buster Bundle. Budget like a badass with the Budget Buster Bundle that you can get at the Debt Free Guys shop at DebtFreeGuys.com forward slash shop. We'll talk with you next week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.